correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here tonight with Steve. Hi Steve. Hey. And we have an honorary Steve, but before we get to that, let's talk about the OP cast. (laughs) Yes. The OP Cast is another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. It's hosted by Josh, and I believe Chaz is involved with it. And I'm not sure who all else, but uh, they discuss the Trinity Aeon adventure, that whole kind of family of games from White Wolf slash Onyx Path. So uh, if you're into any of those games, definitely worth checking out. They're cool people. Uh, we've had Josh on a couple of times, and... Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out along with, you know, looking for more gaming podcasts or anything like that. Go to D20, what is it, D20radio.com and uh, click on the podcast tab. That would be the website. <laughs> yes, it would be. Yeah, it's just, you know, brain fart there. It's it's second Monday today, so, you know. Oh, it's it's like, yeah, it's like a month of Mondays, I swear. <laughs> all of December has just been all Mondays. It's like oops, all berries, oops, all Mondays. <laughs> yes, we do have a guest this week, and they do receive their honorary Stevedom, and I still haven't made a silly sounder for it, but uh, welcome to the show, JT. Welcome. <laughs> All right, so just because you're fun to talk to, we wanted to talk to you again, but I also thought maybe we could have a little bit of a discussion leading into something that you would wanted to talk to us about, because we've both been a little... Eh? about a, a game that you know quite a bit about, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I figured we could start off with a little discussion around, let's call them universal systems. Sure, sure. Universal generic or, yeah. Yeah, generics, you know, GURPS, Palladium, Genesis, um, even to an extent maybe PBTA, which then brings in Forged in the Dark and Fate. And I think they're kind of in a little bit of a different category. We'll get to that. But, you know, you have, you know, like I said, GURPS, Palladium. Well, there are many people who want you to believe that 5e is a, and technically maybe, sort of, I don't know. There's Hero System too, which I've yeah. never played, but. Yeah. And, and I think they're one of those things that. And, well, and, and then there's like, sorry, not to cut you off. There's like Apocalypse Engine, which is powered by the Apocalypse stuff. Technically, yeah. it's a universal system. Sort of sort of you can build it it's kind of like saying 5e is a universal system <laughs> no i think it's different. with enough work and elbow grease it's it'll get there well i think though like i think there's there's kind of two distinct categories there maybe three right with say gurps or palladium or to my understanding champions they're all about here's a bunch of rules to cover everything you might need to do you know, they're very simulationist. And in my experience, what that often leads to is a whole lot of crap that no one feels like dealing with, but is always there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, and, and like, I'm not saying that 
necessarily in a bad way, but it's it's kind of like you know, we've talked about the concept of skill bloat in games. Well, those games seem to tend to have rules bloat, if you will. And then you always have the someone who goes, I thought there was a rule for this specific thing. And so then you spend half an hour looking it up and blah, 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 blah. Well, this will actually tie into the uh, game that I partially came on here to talk about. <laughs> but I would say that there are uh, like certain games like that, though, uh, that you've mentioned where you can have a lot of rules or options. But the idea is that you're supposed to sort of like take what you need from that and only apply what you want for the game you're trying to run. Yeah, I know GURPS is, is kind of intended that way. You know, but then you have games like, and, and I'm going to broadly, I think, and, and we can argue about this if y'all want to, like games like, say, Genesis or Fate, Forged in the Dark, Powered by the Apocalypse, I think, and Genesis in specific, right? Genesis is a game built to do heroic cinematic action, right? Because it's based off of Star Wars, which that's exactly what that is. And I think that works a little better because it's 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 for concepts, not so much situations. It's it's getting away from simulation and moving more to narration, and thus you know, narration just is what's happening. But you don't necessarily worry about all the tiny little details, you know. And I think fate, fate, and powered by the apocalypse kind of tie into that because. In those, you know, you have your different playbooks or whatever, but it's still very much about emulating a certain feel or or, or theme. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Sure. And uh, kind of what I'm getting from that from you then, Steve, is that, uh, you know, like for Universal games, at least, you definitely prefer ones that have more like built-in narrative stuff or like don't necessarily focus on representing everything with like a number or a stat and like... well. I think what I'm what I'm getting at, and and this is I am a technically minded person, generally speaking. I am a chronic overthinker. <laughs> I feel you on that one. Um, so my problem with, we'll say a game like say Palladium, because it's the one that I personally know the best. My brain keeps going. I know there's a rule for this. I need to know what the rule is, even if I'm ignoring it, and then it brings into whatever the whole thing about palladium's organizational lack of skill and the fact that the only person who's ever run a palladium game completely rules is written is kevin simbieta because everyone else is still looking for that page in whatever book it's in that's hilarious <laughs> oh, man. and for those of you who have used palladium books in the past you understand exactly what i'm saying I've had the fortune of uh, looking through Palladium books, but never having bought or run one. So I think that. Uh... <laughs> and look, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hate to rip on them continuously about it, but it's like there's so much good stuff in so many of their books. It's just such a pain in the neck to use a lot of it. Sure. I remember the original uh, like Rips Palladium I had looked through and I thought it looked super cool. Mm -hmm. I never ended up running it, but I've heard horror stories from people who told me that have run Palladium Rifts, that it was just like, oh, the power creep and all the other stuff was just awful. Oh, there is uh, no power creep in Rifts. They went oh, straight past creep to, like, <laughs> full-on sprint spiral. Oh, I see. For a second, I was like, oh, that's surprising, because, but now I see where you were going with that, yeah. <laughs> it's no, hard no. to creep when it's out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like, you know, 
the stealth guy wearing the, the neon orange suit with a fiber optic feather boa. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z and especially later Dragon Ball Z. Um, That's my jam. Okay. So you were aware that uh, it just happens and that there is no power spiral. There is no creep. Goku's going to get stronger. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing with your Rift's character. It's just, it's just going to happen. They're just going to be, they're just going to be stronger. With the next book. Yeah. Although, that sounds like Dragon Ball. Yeah, I was going to say, with Dragon Ball Z, though, uh, so at least with Rips, I'm assuming like you don't have to wait 40 episodes until something consequential happens, or maybe I'm wrong. Well, you have to wait for a new book to come out. That, so. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Man. Um, so, actually, if you don't mind, I kind of wanted to jump in on uh, the topic of Powered by the Apocalypse, since you brought it up. Okay. And I was thinking, I would argue that Powered by the Apocalypse games are not really universal because there are a lot of different genres and things that they do, and there are a lot of different like games, obviously, that have been created using the base ideas. Mm-hmm. But I think the one of the coolest things about Powered by the Apocalypse games are that they are very much specifically designed, and there are these choices that are made when you're designing it to fit a particular genre concept which you were sort of alluding to before um and because it ties in so uh specifically to that concept that like you wouldn't necessarily be able to take the exact stuff from like one powered by the apocalypse game put it to another and have it work just as well you know oh no you're i think you're exactly right there but it's like the uh, the same structure that it's all built on you know what i mean the 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 success success with a cost sure sure you know what i mean like the playbooks make it not universal but it's it's like in a way maybe kind of like playing a guitar you know it's got six strings or maybe seven or maybe eight but you still strum it and it's still kind of the same even if it's different does that make any sense sure but uh what i would ask then is that how is that different for example from then like any game that uses some variation of like the D20 system, because they're the same core mechanics for the most part. And they just like change things to fit the setting or whatever, potentially. So I think the difference is that because of the playbooks, okay, the playbooks are specifically written for the setting the game is designed for almost like, like the skill trees in star Wars, versus the skill pyramid in Genesis. It, does that connection make any sense to anyone other than me? Kinda. I'm just not sure if I'm really seeing as much of the distinction that you're trying to make. No, I, like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying you're entirely wrong either, right? Like, it's, it's not really a universal system. It's more like a, a common structure. Okay. Does that, maybe that's a better word for it? Like, but I feel like because of, it's the narrative element where you're, again, like you do in many cases with, with Genesis, where you're kind of ignoring the fiddly bit details to get to the core of what happened. And I don't know if that's, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm off my rockers. I don't know. I, 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 no, I, I, I think that's fair. I think, I guess uh, maybe just the way that I sort of perceive that has more to do with the focus on like 
narrative and like fictional stuff versus like the actual like rolling and dealing with numbers and hard stuff. Fair. Yeah. But I mean, reasonable minds can disagree too. (laughs) So that was a very long way of getting to this other universal system game that's out there that you happen to know quite a bit about. Yes. And Steve and I have both been pretty curious about it, have never gotten a chance to actually play it. And I've tried to read it and, and I, I've sort of, I don't want to say I've bounced off of it, but it's kind of like one of these where I feel like I need to play it with someone and then it'll all make a whole lot more sense to me. And honestly, that's probably true. but. (laughs) But I've also figured out, I think kind of what it is that makes me kind of have this struggle with Cortex. A piece of the name. (laughs) so i feel like where with we'll say gerps or palladium there's a rule for that in genesis we don't need a rule for that we just got to get the feel right and cortex is okay someone is probably going to get really pissed off by me saying this but cortex is kind of like a narrative focused version of gerps Okay, and what I mean, I mean by I could, that? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I could draw some parallels, maybe. But okay, yeah, let's hear what you have to say. But 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 yeah. where GURPS, you take apart, you know, you you use this rule or you use that supplement to do this thing, whatever. Cortex takes that down to your stat level and says, pick your stats to make the game focus on the things you want it to focus on. Where to me, I think that's often where I go. I just go pick a game that focuses on the thing I want the story to be about. You know what I'm saying? And, and as opposed to taking this assemblage of system pieces and using these six or these five or however many, right? Sure. And it's like on some level, as much as I like tinkering with things and messing with things and whatever, that seems daunting to me. And I know that doesn't make any sense. No, no. I think that it's a, it's a valid concern. And I think that, you know, obviously some people will take to it more enthusiastically or easier than others. But what I would say is that the thing that you're talking about, which is that Cortex is less because, you know, we've been talking about universal systems. It's almost less of a universal system and more of like a universal toolkit. So like there are some basic, like pretty core mechanics that you're pretty much going to have no matter what. But a lot of the pieces are going to depend on what type of game you're wanting to play. Hence why I was kind of referring to it as a narratively focused take on GURPS. Yeah, I I can understand what you're getting at there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And like I said, I don't mean that as a shot in any way, just that it's, it's like where GURPS does that on a mechanical level. I feel like Cortex tries to do that on a focus level. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to, decide now like how how in depth we want to cover for example like some of the like basic mechanics and stuff especially because many of your listeners may not be familiar with the system at all but am i correct if i remember from from when we talked about cortex before it's you have different die sizes that represent how strong you are in certain things and then you so you build a pool based on maybe an attribute and a a focus or a skill or something and you roll them all and you take the best die, correct? 
or uh, usually it's the uh, usually it's like the best two or the two okay. that you want to use. But yeah, just basic idea. Okay, so it's a, a little Savage Worldsy in that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like there are so many parallels you can draw to other systems because I think in part there are different parts of Cortex over the years that have been inspired by mechanics from oh, other systems. Sure. Like you know, there are definitely like fate like things in there for sure that I recognized right away, and um, there are even some things that kind of remind me of Genesis too. Although I think they were in Cortex before Genesis was even a thing, but um, and just as I like a quick history lesson for people who. Like, might not have known this, but, like, Cortex has been around for a while. Cortex Prime is sort of like the universal toolkit version, but there have been a lot of different games uh, using, like, some Cortex-based mechanics since, like, I think the early 2000s. And I think the first one was actually the Serenity, if I'm not mistaken, role-playing game. Mm -hmm. And they came out with a separate Firefly one later, which uh, sort of revised a lot of stuff. But there's been so many incredible IPs too. Like they had Supernatural, they had Smallville, Leverage. Did they have um, Buffy? They had, did they have Buffy? I, I think Buffy was a different system. People might be screaming at me right now if I'm wrong, but I think I Buffy may have been different. But it's possible. It's possible it could have been. And then uh, Marvel Heroic was another big one that was really popular while it was still a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And the unique thing about all those games was that while it had the same like basic. Uh, mechanics that we've been talking about they did use sort of like different traits which is where cortex prime gets all these different trait options that they show you are kind of inspired from a lot of these different ips and games that they've had so like smallville you know is kind of like a teen drama superhero-y type thing and so it focuses a lot on like the character's relationships and values so instead of having like like attributes and skills like you might have in uh, D D. You have actual uh, dice that represent, for example, the strength of your relationship, whether negative or positive, uh, with like particular characters. And like you can have strengths for like particular values your character might have, like, you know, truth, justice, the American way, you know, type of thing. And so depending on, uh, you know, like how those values come into play, the focus is going to be more, though, on like how you are interacting with people and like the different drama that you get up to. Sorry. I, I don't know if I'm maybe just like kind of going off on a tangent or not. But. No, no. I think you're actually saying kind of exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Where I think like, okay, my impression is that if, if you want to set up a cortex game, you need to figure out what it is that the core of your, your story or storyline is going to be about and then pick the attributes and skills that pertain to that to then basically to build your character sheet, to then be able to build your character. Does that, am I that on is, the that right is, track? That is accurate. But what I would say, though, is that those trait sets, a lot of them are sort of just, um, they're already sort of templated out in the book, right? So, mm -hmm. like, you might have an idea for, like, your setting is going to include you know, these particular attributes or something like that. And they don't have to match the ones that they kind of like give examples for in the book. And, you know, you can just sort of tweak them or uh, skin them for your game. And, and that in those cases, it's really just a matter of putting in words that better reflect your setting. And then in other cases, there may be things where like, for example, they have powers 
is one of the trait sets that you can use and specifically for games where you have like superheroes or anyone else that can do you could probably use it for like magic for example things like that if you wanted mm -hmm. and then you could reskin them i could even imagine you taking powers and reskinning some of them or creating your own in order to represent force powers if you wanted to do like a jedi type game if you wanted to run it like that mm -hmm. there are ways to like just leave that more narrative and i think that's one of the areas that i like about Cortex and how it works is that you can choose to run the same setting and like same game concept in different ways so that the way that the mechanics and the narrative interact can be different, but you can still tell similar types of stories. So like in the example I gave with the force powers, if you want like concrete force powers that have like specific rules to like how the force powers work and like when it's used and what the effects are. You know, you can get more nitty gritty with that. Or if you just mm -hmm. want to leave it up and say like, oh, OK, I have a die that represents my strength in the force. And then how you're using it is all up to how you're narrating it based on the results and the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So like if you if you like to get into like the nitty gritty with the force powers, you can do that. Or if you just want to kind of keep it loose and loosey goosey, you can do that, too. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, exactly. It, and I just feel like my feelings toward the game don't make sense with my feelings toward messing with things in, in general, which sure. it just confuses me, I think. Sure. And I, I think part of it, too, is that you're probably coming at from it, I imagine, with the idea that, like, oh, I'm going to have to, like, homebrew every single little thing to match what I want in my setting, potentially. To an extent, probably. Like, yeah, there's going to be, like, a lot of legwork. But I think that there is a lot in sort of like the core templates for these things, and especially for things like powers. They've got like a whole bunch of them. So like if you wanted to run a superhero game, you could easily just use the example stuff that they have in the book instead of having to come up with your own. But a lot of times it's just going to be a matter of, um, you know, choosing the names for things that you want. And like one of the classics, for example, for attributes in Cortex Prime is just a simple three attribute um, physical, mental, social, which some other systems do, I know. But so instead of having like the strength, constitution, dexterity stuff, you've kind of just got like those three main things. Mm -hmm. And you can choose to, you know, have attributes and then call them the same things that they do in something like D&D. And you could run your game like that just fine without an issue. And then it's just a matter of putting those names down um, and giving each of them a die rating. But Okay, let me ask you this, just because it... Sure. it is it fair to say that in a lot of ways where I'm going to say a game like D&D &D or Cyberpunk Red or many traditional games lean on your attribute as being a very defined thing that, at least in the context you were just describing, Cortex more often is using that attribute as a generalization and it's up to you as the player and GM to define what that means to your specific character? Um, I think that in certain setups, like the one I said, whether it's physical, mental, social, I mean, there will have to be some sort of understanding, for example, like what constitutes that you're doing something physically versus mentally or socially. And so there would probably have to be some sort of like agreement or if there's a disagreement, then some back and forth. And then ultimately, the, I guess the GM might make the final ruling, depending on what they want. 
But I think a lot of things will be pretty straightforward. Like if you're running, that's a pretty physical activity. If you're literally like trying to solve a math problem or something like that, that's probably like a mental type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you are trying to like charm someone into, you know, being your buddy and helping you out with something, that's probably going to be like a social attribute type thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Was I understanding your question? Okay. Well, or? I, I was thinking in, 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 let's just go to physical, for example, just because I feel like the example is, is maybe a little more concrete. You could have, okay. We'll just say a marathon runner and a power lifter could both argue for a high physical stat. What they're able to do with that physical stat is extremely different. That's true. And and that that's where I'm saying, like, I feel like Cortex is asking, is putting that on the player and GM to internally define that in the context of role play as opposed to a statistical value. Sure. And I think one thing that might help you out conceptually there is that technically speaking, even like within the same trait set, like attributes, like having a D10 physical for example, rating versus like a D10 social rating doesn't necessarily mean that this person is, you know, or like this, you know, someone's social ability is the same as their physical ability or something like that. Uh, the ratings really more represent how important that thing is to your character and like how much of an impact will it have on the story or like a given action type of thing, if that makes sense. So you know, in the con but like like you were saying, like for example, with like a power lifter and a marathon runner, most likely the marathon runner could run faster and definitely like probably longer than the power lifter, whereas the power lifter will probably be able to, you know, lift more weight than the marathon runner on average, so to speak. Right, right. So for that though, you could then I mean you're first of all, you're gonna have more dice than just like one attribute, for example. And so one thing that almost every Cortex Prime has as one of its trait sets are called distinctions. And those are sort of um, similar to uh, similar to aspects in fate, if you know what I'm talking about. And maybe mm -hmm. a lot of you listeners will know. But they're sort of like narrative descriptions that talk about things that are important to your character and your character concept, pretty much. So, for example, one of your distinctions for these two characters could be something like, you know, like... Uh, five-time marathon champion or, you know, like strongest weightlifter in the world, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to be adding in a die for that particular distinction if it is relevant to the action that you're trying to perform. So the power lifter may not have a very high distinction or any relevant distinction really that would fit well with running the marathon and the marathon runner is probably going to have like a high distinction that'll help them out for lifting the weights. So even though they may have the same rating in like the physical attribute, the marathon runner is going to have the advantage when it comes to the marathon running because there are a marathon runner and they have like a die for that. That's a higher rating and uh, the weightlifter will have the advantage because they have a high rating in like a weightlifting distinction, if that makes sense. Okay, so if I'm understanding you right, like Cortex is kind of like fate, but with values and layers. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that that is a good way to conceptualize that part of Cortex. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes a little more sense. Sure. Like, like instead of like instead of like the like 
fate tends to have like numerical values like for bonuses or penalties for skills whereas mm-hmm. this one you have like a die size that you're rolling for it instead right yeah well fate you add yeah. or subtract a plus yeah, yeah, one exactly. typically yeah you know, where this has well your your well because of your die sizes there's like a more graduated scale but then you have the layers that yeah okay so does, does that help you understand a little bit better though the for my example or I, yeah yeah no i the, yeah i get that now i guess and and probably a lot of this would be solved a little more if i read the book but <laughs> like so would you talk about all these you know different things that you'll have you know aspects or, or i forget values whatever yeah, the distinctions and, distinctions you know, and, and example, all that yeah so yeah distinctions is one of the big ones that they basically recommend you include every time obviously that you can't enforce that if you don't want it but they kind of highly recommend like this is something that's kind of like special for cortex that helps to differentiate characters a lot based on a character concept which is how you can you know make those distinctions quote unquote between the marathon runner and the weightlifter mm-hmm. so i know there's uh a couple of of ips out for cortex i believe there's the dragon prince one yeah tales of exadia and the masters of the universe one as well correct unfortunately that one is on hiatus for development i think right now okay there was okay. some I don't know if it was like licensing or I know that um, Cortex Prime actually had been acquired by a different company, too. And I think that may have sort of interrupted things. But uh, no word yet on when or if that's coming out anytime soon. Okay. Unfortunately. But and I was really excited, too, because they had like actual play examples from it and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> so but yeah, they do have IPs. And, and I know there are some we'll call them example settings in the book. Yeah. But are there like recommended lists of what to use as your your attributes and your distinctions, or are those kind of left up to you? So both. I mean, they do have, for example, and uh, for anyone who has the Cortex Prime rulebook or can access it, like if you've got the digital version online, uh, I think it's page forty-seven of the core rulebook. Hang on. Um, hang on. And that talks about prime sets and character files. Okay. I know I okay, have you're it. pulling it out, huh? Trying to. I gotta find where okay. I put it. Yeah. Cortex Prime Game Handbook. There we go. You said page forty-seven. Forty-seven. Yes. In chapter two, prime characters, talking about like what makes up characters, pretty much the different uh, ingredients for characters. All right. Where is my page number thing? No. Oh. There it is. Yeah, at the top of the page, it should say character files, and then under that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got it now. I don't know why it, it it weird things. No worries, but yeah, there's a little table there that give you some examples of like for like recommended prime sets for certain genres. Mm-hmm. So you can probably see there. So one of the examples they give in the book is like a grim fantasy type setting, uh, and that would be uh, attributes plus skills. And by the way, for people who may be very observant a lot of these genres they're using are from like ips that cortex has done in the past sort of like those genres Mm -hmm. like with paranormal uh mystery you can have like or uh a supernatural thing heist action is like leverage you know potentially um superheroes like marvel heroic um so it does give you some examples of like just like quick and easy options if you don't want to have to think about it too hard that they know work well for those genres Mm-hmm. 
And the book does go into sort of what each of these trait sets are, what they represent. And they even sort of go into uh, when you might want to use it or for what you might want to use. Okay. Yeah. I see that yeah. in like the subsequent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. It's just one of those where like, I think in my head, it's always just been easier to go, okay, well, I want to run this kind of game and I know this system does that thing really well. So I just go to that. And I feel like Cortex in a way is offering you the chance to work in a familiar structure, but focus on the things you want to. I think that's a totally fair thing to say. And uh, one thing I will say actually is that I agree with you and I'm actually sort of in the same boat where if there's a game that I want to play and I already know that there's like sort of a system that is just like, you know, handmade for that and it works really well, then I'll just go to that. For those types of things where there's already something that exists that's perfect for what you want, I, you know, as uh, blasphemous as this sounds, I would say don't even go to Cortex or another universal RPG. I would always go for whatever is already there that works best for what you're trying to do. I think that's just simpler and oftentimes you're just reinventing the wheel if you're trying to do something universal that they already have mm -hmm. somewhere else, but they already have all the stuff fleshed out for you. Which is not to say that you shouldn't if you want to. I'm just saying that you're just, you're put, you know, giving yourself a whole lot more work, potentially unnecessarily. Okay. So let me ask you this, because you know the system, obviously, much better than either of us do. Sure. What What is the it factor for Cortex? What is the strength that it has that something else doesn't for you. Yeah. So I like they have really interesting mechanics that can be specific to these different trait sets that we've been talking about, like the attributes, the values, stuff like that. But, you know, I think one of the things that we've mentioned with generic systems, and I know that I think you, you and Steve have talked about on the podcast before with like games and like trying to get it to give you the experience that you're looking for is that, you know, certain systems just don't do certain things well and certain systems do certain things better than others. Mm -hmm. And with Cortex, you'll have the opportunity then, for example, um, okay, so here, here's an example of something that would, I think is really cool is that um, one of the trait sets that you can use in Cortex is called roles and roles uh, I think were first introduced with the leverage uh, role-playing game back in the day. And the idea mm -hmm. behind roles is that, you know, when you're doing a heist, you know, you usually have, you know, stereotypically, like you've got like the driver or whatever, you know, in the getaway car. And you've got like the hacker person who is in charge of like breaking into the systems and stuff like that. And then you've got like the, you know, charmer dude who's like, you know, impersonating someone and getting access to the vault that way or something like that. And so those roles are sort of represented by die ratings and all the characters can have different die ratings in those roles. And so they can be used for like, okay, maybe you're not like the best hacker in the world, but you can use a computer. So you might have like a pretty low rating in that, but that you know doesn't mean you can't try to do things on a computer. In a lot of systems, I feel like um, the way that they represent those skills there isn't as much of an option for people who don't really fit into the right, you know, class or profession, whatever, however they do that, to, you know, do things that another character might be specialized in. Mm -hmm. And um, 
in terms of using it for other things. Like you could do a D&D campaign, for example, like a style, I should say, in Cortex, where instead of having like attributes and skills and things like that, you can have like a warrior role. And that could represent like your ability to like know martial prowess stuff and maybe familiar with like different types of like swords, melee weapons, you know, like a ranger, you know, you could potentially have that role to represent like your facility with like bows and tracking and things like that. And if you're noticing, you know, a lot of the things that you think of when you think of these characters, it's sort of like a mixing and matching of like different aspects of that character that don't all fit into like, for example, like scouting and uh range weapons you know like ones for fighting ones for like kind of like investigations and stuff but they can all fit under like one label yeah well i i think it kind of speaks to okay you want to run a f- high fantasy campaign that is not focused on combat or you know the the skill set that is D or or many other games and so you use that that ranger trait or or whatever you want to call it or a fighter trait to kind of do the we'll say the combat or the wilderness exploration things in broad strokes where a game like let's say D doesn't really facilitate that yeah yeah and i i think it just it makes it more flexible how you can sort of represent things and it means that like you can be good at some things a ranger does potentially or, or like, I guess, like in D and D, like you might be good at ranged weapons, even if you're not a ranger, or you might be good at like tracking, or for example. But you, you know, you can sort of represent that with one thing in Cortex and have the character kind of be able to use that for things that you know make sense for that character be to be doing, even if it doesn't fit the role that they are most experienced and specialized. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like the ranger is going to be the best at that. And probably out of all the characters, like the one that's actually playing something more akin to a ranger type character concept, which you could further sort of distinguish through the distinctions and things like that. If you want to say like, oh, yeah, you know, ranger who does this or that. Okay, so like the book then actually kind of walks you through how to set everything up. Yeah. Yeah. If you actually uh, read through the book, it gives you a (laughs) lot of. (laughs) You want me to read an RPG book? I just buy them and look at the pictures. I mean, to be honest, that's like half of the ones I buy too, but (laughs) so many things that I've sort of have bought and have yet to more than skim through at this point. But don't talk to me. There's a stack off my left shoulder. I feel like that's the curse of a lot of role players. We just collect the games and we know that, you know, we'll, we'll use it eventually, you know, by the time, hopefully by like, by the time we're 80 or something, you know, we'll have played it once. I think too, like Cortex almost to me has this sense of like, as I know, and Steve has, has said this too, you'll have a game and like, Ooh, I want to get that. Cause I want to steal this thing from it to use in something else. And it almost sounds like Cortex is like, you just pick the pieces you want instead of stealing from them. Some, something, yeah, instead of stealing them from something else. Yeah, I think that they have a lot of options and ideas that work really well as frameworks built in so that a lot of times you wouldn't have to steal from anywhere else. It can, it's really flexible and can accommodate a lot of different types of things. And mm-hmm. it really doesn't require much adjustment to use most things out of the box. Right. You don't have to adapt you. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, you have to you have to choose your ingredients, but you know, you don't have to, you know, grind them up more or, you know. <laughs> I don't want to use an extended cooking metaphor, but um, No, 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 that's okay. That's yeah. what we do here. Yeah. yeah. We use extended metaphors that don't make any sense. <laughs> Okay, good. Then I really do deserve to be an honorary Steve then. Okay. <laughs> All right, Steve. You got any questions or comments in here? Because you've been quiet for a while. Or was I just asking all your questions again? I, I've just been sort of listening and learning and paying attention because a lot of the questions that you've asked have been the ones and the issues that we've both raised about the system and sort of trying to wrap our heads around it. And yeah, I I guess... I'm I'm at this point where I really feel like I need to play it in order to get a feeling for what this system can do or 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 what what they're trying to make you do if that makes sense. Well, you know, I feel that way and yet at the same time I feel like that's almost the antithesis of what Cortex is. Like they're not trying to make you do anything. They're trying to give yeah. you the tool to do what you want to. But sometimes it's it's kind of like looking at a painting. You you can't theorize a painting without looking at it and understanding the like. You can't theorize a de design philosophy without looking at a painting that uses that design philosophy. Fair. Well, just to to try and describe like say abstract art to somebody and be like. Well, this is the design philosophy behind it, and this is an example of maybe what these could look like. And without a visual representation, that means almost nothing to somebody. And I think that's where I'm I'm hitting the wall of I'm gonna have to play this before I can maybe understand how to run it for myself, <laughs> if that makes any sense. No, I think like effectively you need to understand the structure, but not so much okay, analogy. Need to understand the structure, but not the individual boards. Completely agree. <laughs> and if I may, actually, uh, one thing I'm curious about hearing you say that, because I mean, I feel like I'm the same way with pretty much any system, especially if it's like new to me or something you've never encountered before. I feel like I can read the rule book as many times as I want, but there are some things where I might just not be able to really visualize how it's going to work until I actually get it to the table and start playing it and see you know, what actually happens when you try to do that in the game. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Um, oh, absolutely. So, so I, I, I'm, just, I'm just curious then if, do you feel like, uh, Steve, that this is more of like an issue specifically for you with Cortex or is it just like I, one I, of those things where any game in general where you'd be trying to learn for the first time? No, I, I, some games and a lot of games, I can get my head around the system pretty well. Um, Cortex has just been, it's been a thorn for a while and i just i i don't know i've i've read the book and i had a hard time reading the book uh, i i'm just going to be honest i had a hard time reading the book because i was like flipping back and forth trying to reference stuff that it was referencing before um i just i don't know i couldn't like i just can't for whatever like whatever reason get my head around it by just reading it yeah you know i think there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff to go through in it and I think part of the problem, too, is that a lot of people feel overwhelmed when they're saying, whoa, look at all this stuff. But then the thing is right. that you're probably not going to use like half of it, you know, in any given game. So, right. You know, and so like most of it, you won't have to like keep in your head most of the time, I guess. And that was another thing that I was sort of curious about. How much of this do you need to keep 
like so i guess you just you would really only need to keep in your head the relevant information if that makes sense i mean like yeah you don't need to know all the rule sets at all times just to just because your players you know you're just only playing with a handful of rule sets sure yeah no i i think that's totally accurate and um one thing i would point people to who are uh, really interested in sort of learning the basic rules and if you really want the core of cortex there's literally uh page six in the intro to cortex prime in the rule book they have read this first the cortex primer the core of cortex and they literally go through like the most basic possible cortex prime game you could have like most generic like no frills added type thing and it's like these are the elements that are basically the core of like any cortex game and then the rest is all sort of just like set dressing to like enhance the experience to be more like what you want. Um, and I, I feel, and they actually give some really cool uh, examples with graphics and descriptions and visuals that I think really help you to rock that a bit better, the core stuff anyway. And I feel like if you just read a few of those pages, cause it's really just a few pages long, this intro thing, it gives you like the basics that you really need to know before you were to start playing a Cortex game. Like every time I talk to you or anyone else about Cortex, I end up with this feeling of, man, I really want to learn more about this. And then I go try and figure it out and go, eh, I'll just go grab this thing that I already have that I understand better. And and I usually grok systems relatively quickly. You know, like I, I get, okay, this is core resolution mechanic. There we go. Once I've got that under my belt, I'm like, okay, I think. Maybe partially what it is with Cortex is, is like there's so many facets of the core resolution that I'm having trouble understanding how to know which ones I need to use when. Okay. That- so can, can, I, can I give you like a quick example, though? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So if you really want to take Cortex down to like it's like very basics and core, you would have potentially, and, and I'll, I'll use the stuff in the book as as sort of like an example basis like you will have like a character i'll have a name and like maybe like one trait in the book they have a character that's a seasoned journalist but it could be like anything based on your core character concept Mm -hmm. whenever you would be doing something you would be rolling uh 2d6 uh to start and then if your trait your core concept thing would help you in that situation you would add in an additional d6 and then you would roll those and take generally the two highest rolling ones. But you know you have some leeway to mess around with that for different reasons uh, once you start adding more stuff in. But so like, you know, and then so you could roll, for example, like a four, a six and a five. And so then you take the six and a five, that's an 11. And generally you're going to be rolling against the GM's difficulty dice pool, which for the basics that they talk about in the book. For easy opposition, that would be just like 1d6. You're rolling against 2d6 for something like average or challenging, and then 3 for something that's like difficult. And you, the, the GM still takes the top 2 also. Okay. But but in terms of like the probability, it makes it more likely that they'll get a higher roll the more dice, obviously, that they're mm-hmm. rolling. Um, and if you, interestingly, in Cortex, you have to beat the number. You can't tie it in order for the player to succeed. Okay, okay. Um, so you have to exceed the difficulty in Cortex by default. So you could obviously change that at your leisure if you really wanted to. 
it'll change sort of a little bit of like the probability numbers and things, but you know. I heard if you do that, Cam Banks comes to your house, insults you in New Zealandish, and then runs away and takes your Yeah, books. That, that sounds like Cam based on all the conversations I've had on. He's just a really mean, nasty guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually really amazing he's such a nice sweet guy and yeah really i've, I've heard some interviews with him and stuff like yeah. he seems very very cool yeah but but yeah i mean so if you really want to talk about the basics of cortex that's generally it. you've got a dice pool you're trying to roll stuff and if your character is good at something you're rolling more dice than the default and if the thing's harder than usual you're rolling more dice in opposition to that and that's about it okay so, and pretty much everything that else that you add to it is a variation on those core rules. So to circle back around, do you think I'm off base and kind of feeling like Cortex is universal in a reverse of most other games being universal? Like it, it, the way it approaches being universal is kind of like opposite the way GURPS does. I think GURPS has just a lot of specific rules that tie into like very specific types of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Cortex sort of gives you these sort of like general template type rules and tool sets. And those you can sort of adapt how you want to fit the game you're playing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I, I think that there's a commonality there in terms of, you know, there you've got these options that you then choose what you want to include. But I think that in general, GURPS gets a little bit more granular with it than Cortex tends to. Yeah, okay. stuff tends to just be like sort of more of a generic, like this is a thing that represents like soap opera drama type things. And you've got these relationship values between different characters. Mm -hmm. And then there's like one, for example, for that you can use for things like superheroes called affiliations. And like the classic thing for that is like, are you Batman where you work better alone or, you know, are. Or actually, I guess you could also say that Batman sometimes has a sidekick, and that's another type of affiliation you can have. Or it's like, are you part of the Justice League and you work better when you're all going together as a team? Or like the Fantastic Four, if you want like a Marvel example. And so those affiliations, if like that's important to the idea of the genre or the concept you're running, which for a lot of superhero games, there are a lot of circumstances where you're either, you know, like the loner type superhero, or you've got a partner or you've got like a whole big group like with the avengers or something and depending on the context you're working in you'll be more or less effective okay so that, that's a way to represent that idea is with affiliations and those affiliations can then be reskinned where if you don't want to do it for like superheroes like are you better working alone or whatever you could do affiliations where it's sort of like you could be affiliated with different organizations even you could have it so like oh are you you know a member of the you know, this church in a fantasy game or something like that. So when you're dealing with stuff going on with the church, maybe you have would have a high rating that you can roll for when you're dealing with church people. And maybe a cleric would have, you know, high rating in that or something. Oh, okay. If, if that makes sense. And then you could have affiliations or like affiliations with different races. If you're doing something where there's going to be a lot of like diplomacy between elves and dwarves and humans or whatever, then maybe you'll have different affiliations with these different uh races or things like that and you'll be able to deal with them more or less effectively depending on your ratings um, and I, I think that's for me one of the cool things about cortex is that it gives you a lot of options for changing the focus of the game to sort of have mechanical ties to like certain ideas that a lot of other 
systems and games don't incorporate as like a core mechanic type thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, no. Like D, you know, you've got the attributes and skills, and that's sort of like all you're ever doing. Whereas, and you know, you can have social checks and things like that. But with like Cortex, you know, you could have like social dice for you know the specific relationships between certain characters, and then it puts a lot more focus and emphasis story wise on the actual interactions between the various characters, and they'll make a bigger difference for how the story develops. No, no, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I just, it, it feels like it's, it's designed to let you, it's a toolkit to focus on the things you want to, as opposed to, here's the stuff you get to make do the thing you want to. Yeah, fair. I don't know if that made any sense, but. No, I, I got what you were saying, yeah. And instead of having to be like, Okay, I'm going to add in these additional rules to account for things like, oh, you know, if I, you want to have like, you know, hacking or whatever like that, you know, you have this whole subsystem maybe in certain systems for that. Whereas with Cortex, you know, you can sort of use and flavor, you know, given traits or mechanics that they have in there to represent hacking in a unique way or fun way based on the way you want hacking to be in your system. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, you could run hacking, for example, that this is actually an interesting idea now that you're making me think about this. But, like, you could have a hacking thing where if you're actually, like, dealing with, like, digital representations of, like, characters or other things, you could have, like, these die writings that represent the different obstacles and stuff. And so it could be almost, like, more like a social or physical confrontation or combat type of thing in order to hack something if you wanted, rather than like, okay, I'm rolling to like, you know, crack the password or something like that. And you could represent mm -hmm. the hacking in a really interesting way like that. If that's something you're into, obviously. If, right. You know, if that's not how you imagine hacking or, and that's not how you like to do hacking, then you obviously wouldn't do it that way in your game. But that's why Cortex gives you the freedom to do that if you want to. See, like, I, I just feel like this is a game that I should love, and I'm confused as to why I don't. I and I honestly I think it's totally fine, especially because you haven't played it yet and actually seen it in action, to sort of feel like you're on the fence or that you're not totally convinced. And I think that's a perfectly valid feeling and reaction to have. And I definitely don't like hold it against you or anything. I think that's <laughs> totally fine. Maybe even normal, you know. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have trouble wrapping your head around some of the ideas in there, then I can totally understand that too. But yeah, maybe one of these days we'll actually get a Cortex game going, like a one-shot or something. That'd be awesome. I'd love to do that. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. We'll yeah. Bring some of our Monday night hooligans along. Uh, I'm totally open <laughs> to that. Yeah. We'll just have to, uh, I'll have my people call your people. All right. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, is it that time? I don't know. You got anything you want to plug, JT? Anything I want to plug? Um no, kind of just like last time, I'm just, you know, me, I'm the community manager for D20 Radio, so check out all the D20 Radio stuff. I'm on Facebook, the Discord, you know, you can chat with me whenever. I don't bite most of the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and lots of great shows and stuff, obviously, like you all, clearly, um, but plenty of other, you know, great shows too, and you do a great job sort of plugging them in your own show. Thank you. All right, then, Steve, I think it's that time. Game of the week. Woohoo! Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. 
All right, JT, you've been here before. We don't need to tell you how to play. Who's going first? Uh, why don't you go first, Steve? I go first all the time. All right. I'll go second since I went last last time then. Oh, I get to go last. So I found one today that, how do I want to say this? I don't think this is going to be the game for everybody, but I feel like, Steve, this might actually kind of hit a chord with you in particular. It's a game called Five Torches Deep. And what it is, is it's it's calling itself kind of an amalgamation of 5e in the OSR. What they're they're claiming to have done is basically taken all the the best mechanics and principles of 5e, the OSR, and modern game design, and mashed them all together. So it's effectively like a 5e skeleton with OSR meat. Now, a few things that they did, right? You have four classes. Once you hit level three, you unlock archetypes, which gives you sort of expanded classes. Game is also level capped at nine, which... You know, Steve and I, and I'm sure JT, you've had the conversations too, how D&D just, once you get to eh, 8th, ninth, 10th level, starts getting kind of crazy power level-wise. And so they just sort of said, okay, we're just not taking it that far. You know, they, they claim that magic is has become, at this point, uh, exciting and dangerous, I think are the words that I saw. You know, like it's it's cool, but it can go bad. Yeah, yeah, volatile spell casting, you know, but bad things can happen if it doesn't go right. You know, it looks like they've turned up some of the injury mechanics, you know. So, like I said, I, I don't know that this is a game for everyone, but... Yeah, it sounds cool. It looks cool. I've, PDF I've is... Definitely... Go ahead. PDF is 10 bucks. There's print-on-demand versions. Actually, interestingly enough, they printed their book in landscape format. You know, there's a little picture down at the bottom. It's it's standard, kind of like eight and a half by eleven soft cover, but the eight and a half is the spine, not the eleven. Nice. I can actually confirm that to be the case because I actually own a hard copy of that. Oh, okay, well, I, I was just looking at the image down at the bottom of the listing. Yeah, it looks exactly like that. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I I don't know. It, I don't like I said. I don't think it's it's a game for everyone, but for those people who kind of want the familiarity of five E, but kind of some of the old stuff too it feels like it might be just kind of the thing you're looking for yeah that nice balance i think it looks cool i i will say if you don't mind me adding in a little thing absolutely that, um, I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of sort of like the old school style like dungeon crawls and like D type stuff i like a lot of the ideas that they had from that and there are a lot of things about like the more modern way that D&D is implemented that I sometimes don't care for, including like kind of like you're referring to, you know, there's a lot of the power creep and, you know, there it's like very heroic, high fantasy, and it doesn't necessarily always feel as dangerous as some of like the more classic style uh, games were. And in terms of in terms of Five Torches Deep from I don't think I ever actually got on the table, but I've read through it. I really mm-hmm. like they have a good balance of sort of like more modern game design thinking stuff so you don't have to deal with like Thacko or crazy <laughs> stuff from back in the day. But you know, it still gives you those old school feel like uh some of those mechanics and ideas and things like that that will be really nice for people who enjoy that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they've got a fair amount of like supplemental material out for it as well. I know there's like some player aid packs and what I'm guessing are like 
some supplemental rules, maybe some adventures or. Yeah, I think that they have one where it's basically like the domain management stuff. Like mm-hmm. they've got homesteads, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got stuff for like dual dual rules, like dueling between mm-hmm. characters. And I think uh, they even have one specifically for like stealth type stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing those I've titles. I haven't really gotten into all that stuff. But based on what I've read from the original stuff, if they do a good job with the integrating it, I think it'll be. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it looks like a game that might just, what do you want to say, scratch the itch for some people. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's mine. All right, I guess uh, it's my turn then. Um, So for my game of the week, I'm actually going with a game that I've owned for a while, but as is the case with so many of the games that I own, I haven't gotten a chance to get to the table yet. And it's called Noirlandia. Noir, like uh, French word. I've heard of this. Have you? Okay. And I read through it because I I think I had like crowdfunded it originally when it came out. Mm -hmm. And it looks really cool. And I really liked the rules and stuff. I just never was able to get enough interest and stuff together to play it. So basically what it is, though, is you're sort of creating a murder mystery from scratch. And that Mm -hmm. even includes where like even like you know, like you as players or as narrators, because I think you sort of take turns narrating scenes in this one. It's kind of collaborative. You won't necessarily even know who the actual murderer is right away. Like that'll sort of like there are mechanics to have that kind of stuff develop as you go and as people gather clues and sort of like make connections. Um, But the real big, like the one big thing that I think like Norlandia has that really kind of got me interested is that you actually use a cork board, like a literal cork board, like that you have mm-hmm. in the typical like detective mystery type stuff. And you're, like you're pinning different things to it that are like clues or like people that are suspects and things like that. And you mechanically create connections between them using the rules and dice rolls and other stuff. And I think that there are, uh, there are also like cards that you can draw and stuff too, from mm-hmm. what I'm remembering. Um, and based on those connections, it's sort of the mystery develops in the ways that things are connected and like, oh, is this person a witness or, you know, are they an actual suspect or things like that? And then, you know, you can have like sudden revelations, like this person that you thought wasn't involved suddenly became involved because of this weird connection that happened or something like that. Um, but it's really cool, a lot of fun. I love the sort of tactile, physical connection with like the cork board and like actually tying strings to like pins between the clues and stuff. It's just it's just a really neat game, and I think I've talked to, on your show before how I really like how when uh, like sort of uh, the actual mechanics and like the concepts kind of reinforce each other, and I think this is a game that kind of does that. Yeah, you have to get that one on like itch or something though, don't you? You can't yeah, get it. Yeah, they on... have it on itch, and they have it. I think Norlandia has a thing on the publisher's website. I guess it's Make Big Things uh, Publishing's MakeBigThings.com. Um, so I, uh, we can include the links to one or both, obviously, in the show notes. Okay. For anyone who's interested yeah. in checking it out, um, they got some really cool pictures on both websites to show you how the game looks in play with mm-hmm. the corkboard and everything. So. Yeah, I encourage people, if you're interested in mysteries and you kind of like more narrative type stuff, I think it's a great, a great idea, a great choice. Yeah, I think I heard uh, an actual play of that a long time ago on Terrible Warriors, I think. 
Ooh, I'm trying to remember. I may have heard that one as well, but it's been so long because it was, I forget what year it was released. It was a while now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Norlandia is my game of the week. All right. Well, I have one and I'm just warning you now, Steve, you're going to have to bleep me here. I have a game that is called Motherfucker Stole My Baby. Uh huh. How do you feel about heist movies? I like heist movies generally. How do you feel about playing in a, in a uh, heist that goes wrong? Basically, I mean, you're a jewel thief. Like every oh, heist you mean? No, I'm yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> at least in an RPG context. Yeah. 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 So Sounds you're a jewel thief who stole a bag of diamonds for a mysterious employer. Uh, you hand the jewels over to the employer, and then they realize you swapped the diamonds, break in, steal them back, and your child. And so you have to go after this billionaire and get your money and your kid back. Uh-huh. Wow. It is currently pay what you want. It's a, a four-page RPG that was just released today. It looks really cool. It looks really fun. I don't know. Uh, it's something. It caught my eye for the name alone. Well, at the beginning, so. it sounded kind of like one last job. But then you started throwing out the billionaires and capturing the family and stuff, and then definitely filled its right? niche. Yeah, uh, it was written by somebody who liked the concept of the movie Cradle to the Grave, but has never seen that movie. Uh huh. <laughs> Which is the That's Jet Li DMX movie? I think, I think I it's a great once. concept. As yeah, it's not note, great. <laughs> Sorry. Have you seen those like videos or interviews where they'll like talk to people who have never seen like some sort of like really popular thing, like a movie or something like that? And they'll ask like, what do you think it's about? And they'll just have this like whole compilation of people like trying to describe the plot of this thing that they have no idea about. That kind of right. I, I, I'm sure it, it probably does a better job than a lot of those people did, but th that's always just fun and hilarious. So I'm sure it does. <laughs> it looks like it's yeah. really well competently put together, but it just it's funny to me that in the description, they describe it as like, oh, it's like this movie that I've never seen. <laughs> this the this bizarro Bramble Mark Press game was inspired by Lasers and Feelings and Apocalypse World and the film Cradle to the Grave, not to mention similar action films from the early 2000s. In fact, I've never actually seen Cradle to the Grave with Jet Li and DMX, but I was jokingly challenged to create this game and would allow you to play it. <laughs> So any <laughs> lack of fidelity to that particular film is all my own fault. <laughs> I love that. I love the just brazen, you know, I've never actually seen that movie. But a friend of mine was like, I bet you couldn't make a game about it. And I was like, sure. <laughs> There's something just beautiful about that. It, it's just great. It's fantastic. And, and that's what made me buy it. So, yeah, I'm not going to repeat that to make you have to censor it again but uh you can fill it in i'll just say yeah that's my flipping flipping and now you just move yeah. that and put it over yeah <laughs> but uh that's my game of the week all right well i think that's a podcast we want to thank everyone for listening we want to thank jt for coming back on and becoming an honorary steve this week thank you for having me once again honored to be an honorary steve honored to have you as an honorary steve mm. um I'm as always Yep. As always, links to everything are in the show notes. Uh, Facebook, Discord, Patreon. If you can't support us on Patreon, come join us on Discord. If you can't join us on Discord, leave us a like or review on any of your podcatchers. It's as simple as that. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, 
tell your frenemies. But as always, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Oh, and happy holidays. Uh, yeah. Happy holidays, too. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.